You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Recording the silence. <laughs> you sound like Depeche Mode. <laughs> Recording the silence. Remember that song? Recording the silence. Are you a robot? <laughs> you were recording the silence. All right, so what were you talking about then? You were... We were silent. I heard a complaint being made that you couldn't see the moon on the internet perfectly clearly. Correct. You wanted to see the... Yeah. If I can look (laughs) at Google Maps, right, zoom in on our house and see the chairs on my deck, kind of like little tiny shadows, but you can tell they're two squares on the deck of a house... Right? On this planet. Then why can't the pictures of the moon and of Mars and other planets where we've sent satellites and other things be... Because when you go... Because Google Maps... I'm not being greedy or anything. I'm just saying they now have a way where you can go and look at all of the things that have been named. And you can zoom around and spin the moon around and Mars. But but it looks kind of shitty. So yeah, I'm being very spoiled right now. It reminds me of that Louis C.K. I'm just like, all you have to do is send a satellite to fly around the moon for a couple years, and boom, you get the same clear images that we do about Earth. I always get that. Why not? I always think of Louis C.K. face when he said... um, I'm not complaining about technology. He said he was on a plane, and uh, somebody next to him said, this internet's slow. (laughs) (laughs) And his face is just like... What did he say? You're on a machine that's flying through, through the, the air on a, where you can access the whole world in the palm of your hand. Yeah, and, and your phone and is I talking to the sky and then the sky is that. talking to you. I get that. But what I'm saying is we have the technology in place so that these pictures... Go look at them, people. Go look and see. Google Maps. Zoom out. And at the bottom, you're going to see the Earth, the Moon, and Mars down the corner. You can pick which body you want to go look at. And I just think... Snap it up, NASA. <laughs> I was going to say, you need to email NASA at NASA.com. Um, or whatever. This movie has something in something to you know about seeing things clearly from yeah. the sky. The movie we're looking at this week. So, it is Saturday. It is August. And it is the 29th. It is after the show number 391. And the movie we're going to look at this week, because we're a movie review podcast... We're not actually a... a Google review. Google review. <laughs> That's not Google's fault, really. It's more about... NASA. You know, NASA. Not NASA. Get some of your dollars, NASA. Whoever's take taking, better pictures. If Google's taking all the pictures of this planet so they can see my street and see that on that day there was a truck parked outside of my house, there's no reason Google can't take good pictures of the moon and every crater and every bump and let me zoom in. Just, I don't understand. So the movie we're looking at is. I'm sure it doesn't cost much money. <laughs> is. Okay. Okay. Are, are you done with your. Um, you brought it up! I was not even going to mention it. You decided to bring it up. Are they even listening? Who? NASA. Oh. Somebody at NASA is listening to this. I don't think it's NASA. They don't have enough money. They just need to get the photograph, the better camera out. I'll go. If you want me to go up there for a year, I'll take all the pictures of the I think moon. it'd take longer than a year. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty big. Um, yeah, but I, there's nobody you have to pay for the rights. There's no governments that you have to get around. You know, Google, I think, has to get around all that shit. But uh, and the moon and Mars, who, who's going to tell you you can't zoom in and take a picture of that crater? Nobody. See? And you, See? And you, and you wouldn't the need to take food with you because the moon is made out of cheese. <laughs> I don't eat much cheese anymore, so that's bad. And if you're lactose intolerant, you don't want to go to the moon. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it, the movie we're looking at this week is a 2014 movie. Uh, it's just released on Blu-ray on the 1st of September, so you can pick this up next week, or this week coming. It is called Good Kill, and it's our 391th you review. You said that. I did. You I'm did. saying it again. <laughs> um, it says it's rated R, but I'm not convinced. Oh, it probably is rated R, actually, because yes. of the subject matter. And it's from well, our friends at Paramount. Movies called Good Kill, and Sid Talk is going to tell you what it's about. It is about a soldier, uh, Air Force, right? Soldier who is actually now a drone operator. He's been in the Air Force for a long time, did fly planes, now he's a drone operator, which means, you know, you're at a base a few miles from your house and you do the, do your 
take orders and then you just drive home at the end of the day. But essentially you're doing the same thing you did when you drop bombs on places. You just happen to be in a different thing. And that's sort of like the toll that, that takes on one person. And then it comes at you with different perspectives on what's actually being done, why, the ethics and everything. But not not so much like American Soldier, in my opinion. Sniper. American Sniper, in my opinion. That seemed like a one, a, more of a one-sided kind of a, here's why we do what we do kind of thing. This is one of those open, more open stories to me. It's about a human being who's put in a position or puts himself in the position to be a part of this, a part of war. And now the modern technology version of having, having an arm's length away from it. So, uh, the movie Good Kill, um, it's cut. Incidentally, it's called Good Kill because it's what the drone operators say. Is it really just, what they say? Yeah, I just looked it up. It's a, it's a, it's, it's an unofficial code word that they say. Got when, confirmation that confirmation that they hit something. Um, so, if you don't know what drones are, and it is a very hot topicy kind of thing. Is that the thing. one that the camera on the YouTube where you see all the drones? I mean, it is, but it's a it's a more sophisticated version of that drone. That's a consumer drone. This is a military drone, which a military drone. Play. Basically, is essentially a uh, yeah a fighter jet with nobody in it. Fly by wire. It's um it's flew by uh it's actually flew. I was just looking flown. on Wikipedia about drones. It's flown. It's flown with um i uh, IP technology, so it can't be hacked into. They say, but mm. it's using the internet and satellites. Somebody clever enough could probably is working on that right now. So it, what it can do is it's you know it sits ten thousand feet above the earth and it can within 10 seconds fire its rockets which are usually hellfire rockets which are the rockets that um you know top gun the rockets that they've been using all along like for you know top gun is also a movie not reality yeah but those planes those tomcats in top gun are all based on yeah they're all real planes so that technology we've had since then you know it's just been refined but they can level they can sink ships, they can level um, military bases, they can take out tanks, and they can do it all from the comfort of a room that's not even in the country they're fighting in. So that's the whole the thing of this movie is um, how that, what that is like to, to do, you know, it seems, it's kind of like a mundane movie to watch. I disagree. Um, but that's by design, I think, that it's mundane. Because mundane is not what I would describe it at all. So I think you're wrong. Right, right. That's just my my point of view. So my point of view is it's the a, style is subdued, but it's not mundane. Yeah, but it's supposed to be like like this guy. He lives at home, just in a normal suburb in Vegas, and then he drives his car to work, like somebody going to the office. He walks into his office. Essentially, it's it's like a tin box that they sit in. Um, he sits down at his desk which is his control panel, and he does his job. It's what a remote told. cockpit, basically. Yeah, and then somebody comes on the telephone <laughs> and tells them what to do, like uh, whoever. Well, that's a that's a phase in the movie, whereas that that's also addressed as the change in authority of who can tell you where to bomb and what information do they have that makes that choice morally or ethically, I don't know how you bridge the gap there, but the right choice in that moment. Does the source of the information, in this case we're switching over to CIA, whose sources and whose information seems a little more corporate and a little less um, military, whereas he was taking orders from the military who try seem to try every effort to make sure this is who we want, this is why we want to kill them, therefore we have to do it. Whereas we were swapping, the ethical thing is what swatch, switches over to this sort of like, look, it's them or us. Let's kill them all yeah. kind of thing, you know? So I so also that's found one that aspect the, of it. I found that the military, the the orders that came from the military seemed, um, they, they backed them up with, uh, they told them like, yeah, this is that and this is who and this is the person that we've had been watching. Where the CIA, when they were getting information, you know, you got to kill, watch it. The CIA are more of a secretive organization, so it was almost like need-to-know basis. Don't ask. Just yeah. press the button and kill that man. That's what we need to and blow to that do. place yeah. up. Yeah. So that is a whole, you know, you, you, you're a human being sat there pressing and the, yeah, the button. Yeah, the toll that 
making the decision, ultimately, to act on orders. Whatever your spectrum of your motivation is, protecting my country, protecting my family, protecting my way, our way of life, versus, you know, do you have room for, like, it's all, to me, this wasn't about a dude in an, an office setting and doing the drone thing. It was about weighing the thing of, you know, when he's in an airplane, in the past, we never see him in an airplane doing the actual, like, out in the field, but... There was like a balance of, I'm right here. And like he is, he mentions in the movie, I, I was in danger. My life was, my life felt threatened. I felt like something bad could happen. So your scales are tipped. Whereas when you're just sitting in the room, there's no, nothing to. It's one-sided. Yeah. You are a puppet on a string. And I think that's where. And the wall's one-sided. If you, if, if they're, you know, they're not expecting anything. There's, there's just the enemy just doing their thing. Doing maybe they're doing bad things. Maybe there's some innocent people, and you just press a button, and 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 the commander of this does a good job at the beginning. He does like a bit of a mm. pep speech to the people, and he's just trying to tell them like, you're killing people when you press these buttons. I don't want you to forget that because it would be easy to forget that. It looks like you're playing the Xbox or, you know, he says this to the people like, you know, we we actually recruit people from malls because you're good at games and stuff. It's like a hmm. he does this speech about it. Yeah, about yeah. It. Um, I'm thinking of something else, but yeah. And I thought the speech was really interesting like um because yes, you know, you grow up playing video games. This kind of looks like a video game when you look at it. It looks like Call of Duty. There's actually scenes in Call of Duty that, where you pilot a drone and do exactly this. So We've seen it, you know, as a gamer type of person. And they, he said, you know, we recruit through that kind of thing. And you probably, half of you are gamers. Don't lose sight of when you press the button, you're not playing a game. People are dying. Their lives will end as soon as you press the button. You know, you have to think about that. This movie has a lot to think about. One of the things I really liked, and it was just a small, tiny, one-line thing, was when uh, he said to the captain, why do we have to wear pilot suits? Yeah. Why do we still wear our flight suits? Yeah, why do we wear pilot su- uh, flight suits? Which I thought, yeah, why do you wear pilot suits? You're not piloting anything. You 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 aren't. Are you you're not piloting. Right? It's a mental. I mean, there's game. a skill. It's I, a mental game. You need to be able to control this. You know, this training to go through. But you are never at risk. You're sat in a room. You've earned the because of the time you've spent at the controls of a real airplane. This is what we were meant to understand: is that you now you understand how to control this thing remotely. But like, that's why you're there. But there's a new person who she's had many hours too. So you yeah. explained she's had a lot of time in an actual airplane as well. But only young, right? But still, could spend a lot of time in an airplane in the Air Force. But um. But I was thinking was I just realized that one another what seemed like a small thing when he said to his wife at one point I did a good thing today because he what he's doing observing in a different way. Oh, you mean when he And uh, another line that came into that was one guy said, "Well, he's a bad guy, but he's not our bad guy." So we see someone doing something terrible. And ultimately, that's the thing because you never it's like letting you explore the idea that you're actually watching people even if you are in the airplane dropping bombs on people, you actually don't know anything more than what the person's telling you in your ear. So you don't see them doing it. You only know that it's all connected somehow. But in this, we get to see somebody doing something very horrible. And ultimately, Clear that's, day. The, There's no that's the person who yeah. no one can argue needs to be punished. But everyone else, it's a question mark because you never know. And I think that this whole thing about this person who's... You know, some people wouldn't be torn at all. The guy says to him, compartmentalize. Well, the guy behind him isn't right, torn but- at all. He sees it as black and white. He sees it as, they're the bad guys, we do what we're told, we blow them all up, and then we'll all be good. Right. Like, that's how he sees it. And woohoo, and da da yeah, yeah, like, woohoo, America. But how about in 20 years, when he's Ethan Hawke? True. It's different. He's- you know, it takes its toll on every person, I think. So they do balance this movie out good. I, I thought so. that, you know, there are bits, there's some stereotypey type sure. things going on, but... I thought it was balanced. It wasn't like saying, oh, this is the way to be, or that is the way to be. It was like, here's, this is the situation. This is how it works. And we saw the extras. He was trying to be very uh, accurate with everything, how it works. Here's the situation. It's a new thing, really, to pe- most people. People don't really think of it, Think of it, I guess. You know, you see it on the news. You've seen it on the news. 
I don't know. Anybody can't actually put in their mind sort of the scenario. I don't know if people... This movie got me into the mind of that guy sitting there. Like, I've never thought of it in that way, really. I mean, you see that footage on the news of uh, something being blown up. I never think of the man pressing the button. I do. So this movie did a good job of putting me... You know, I didn't even realise they went into these little uh, metal bunkers with wheels on that they can manoeuvre around. I didn't even get know that. So this movie makes me think, oh yeah, there is somebody on the other How end. How could you it. never... That had not occurred to you before. That it isn't... That doesn't, my mind. It doesn't occur to me of the one man sat there pressing the button. It occurs to me of... I just think of it overall. Like, oh, it's the army are doing that. I don't even know who's doing it. Is it a general? Is it a... So it's a different way that we see the world because I instantly think of... Every time I think of war or anything, I think of each individual person... Yeah, I do as as soldiers, but this is a relatively new thing for people to get their heads around. It's a person in combat, so to speak. So it's all the same. Yeah, but not so... not. I don't see it as the same. It's a person in combat, but it's... And that's what this movie's showing you. It's it's a weird reality for the the person. It's a weird... They're not even away from home. But see, I think that's the misconception. It's no more weird... Then if you're in a foxhole and you have to fight off somebody and then you retreat 50 yards and you're in a safer foxhole. I think it is. And I think retreated. that's what Ethan Hart was wrestling with. I think with. it's the same thing. It's just, well, it's all terrible, right? Yeah, but, but we're, that, the, this but we're movie sort is... of tricked in the modern world to think it's different. I just don't think it's different. Well, you don't think it's different, but this movie is exploring how different this is from being in the plane. Like, for, when he was in the plane, like like he says, I felt at risk... There was a certain thrill to it, and you know, maybe we got the bad guys at the end of the day, or we didn't, right? There, there was, but there was a risk. There's no risk anymore, so he's feeling empty. And, right. And, I think that's about him, not yeah, about the, con- not about a statement on the whole of it, though. No, I'm just saying about about this guy. So, um, I still don't think it's. I think it's totally different, though, than what you think of it is. We just see it differently. Yeah, well, I mean, it can be taken many ways. This film is left open for you to make your own, you know, it's not taking a side and how you think of drone, you know, you might think it's, I, I actually personally think drone warfare is kind of, it's almost cowardly like, it's it's like, it's very, it's, there's the other country, most countries can't afford drones. I don't know. I just read about most countries can't. They're, they're so expensive. Who makes all these drones and selling them to everybody? Um, I don't know. See, that's the real question that should be answered, right? Probably American. Because makes if drones. someone can't afford. Well, why would we sell drones to Afghanistan then? We, we don't wouldn't. sell them to Afghanistan. So if it's too afford, too expensive to afford, themselves. that means somebody somewhere is making them. Maybe yeah, not just one place. Military factory in America, probably. I mean, America has the most drones in, in the entire world. So why can't they afford to buy make their own? That's what I'm saying. They are making their own. I would say. No, other countries. Oh, other countries just don't. It's expensive as hell to make them. Like, he said how much they cost. They're... Yeah, that's how much it costs us. But, I mean, somebody can figure out how to make a flying remote control vehicle that has a bomb on it. I mean, they're clever. They're smart. They're individual. They're humans. They're just like us, it's, right? There's, it's also a matter of um, logistics. You don't take the drone off. The drone has to be stationed somewhere to get to the country. So mm-hmm. it has to be on a on an air, air ship, uh, what do you call it, aircraft carrier, or something located nearby because they can only go so far. They're like any like a jet. So the whole thing of having a drone army is expensive and and difficult to you know you got to get it to where you got to go and then take it off and then you got to have somebody piloting it. And America's the leader of having drugs. Right, but I guess another thing that's um, well addressed in the movie, I think, is, okay, then what's your alternative? We remove that weapon, and that, this is part of the story, part of the, the the thing in the movie is, and mainly the good, whatever his name is, the Greenwood guy, he's the one that keeps pointing out to you, understanding why you feel like shit about what you're doing, and understanding what is the alternative. And at one point, he lays it out. We're all going to keep killing each other. Yeah, It doesn't no... matter. It will never end. So do we stop and just let it happen? And by they, I think he wasn't just referring to the current war. I think it's sort of a metaphor the for enemy. everything. Yeah. Just everybody. There's always going to be somebody, no matter who you are, who wants to kill you or take down your way of life. And what do you do? If you take away this weapon, then what's the next weapon? 
And like I was saying, and that's what occurred to me that if we think, oh, well, drones, like you say, is cowardly and you're so far away. Well, I pointed out earlier, well, what did the first guy who got shot by a gun think? What's going on here? Well, he's probably dead. But I mean, if you get shot by a gun the first time by somebody you can't even see because they're standing so far away. Whereas the last time you were in a battle, the person had to run up to you with a spear, with a knife or with a rock and try to kill you. They didn't have a way to just shoot you blindly from like a distance behind a tree or on a hill. So that is removing you from the fight. Because that guy up on the hill, he was he could be run into a cave and perfectly safe, right? Because the guy down below doesn't even know who shot him. Neither does anybody else. So I think it really covers the, like, no matter what you want to take away. If you say, oh, well, we can't do drones anymore because innocent people die. I'm not going to argue with that point. But then what? Because they're going to do I mean, something that equals I that. Mean, but when they you say, address it. Take so drones away because innocent people die. Well, innocent people die with ground battles. People with guns. Innocent right. people die. The innocent people die anyway. No matter what the battle is. So then if you start removing, at the end, you'd have to remove everything. There would be no war. But there's still always going to be an asshole. And I think that was part of the theme. Is that there's always somebody who's going to be at war with you. So in the future, like uh, warfare will just be drones. It'll be just... People sat in booths, sending things off at each other, and, you know, my drone's got a nuke on it, your drone's got You know why I disagree? Because of the theme that this movie covers, is that the man, and um, Ethan Hawke says it well in the extra, that there is a certain pride that goes along with being a warrior. Now, this sounds like an archaic idea, but I actually happen to agree with this. A warrior, his word, not mine, who defends... Their land, their country, their way of life, their people, right? You, there's a sense of pride in that, whether it's right or wrong, morally or ethically in the whole universe. But there is something about that. And I don't think that will ever go away. Unless you go a hundred generations down the road when no one even identifies with hand-to-hand combat yeah, at all. that's how it'll get eventually. But I disagree. I think there'll It'll be more be convenient that. to use the technology to do it. And to scare people away by using the technology so it doesn't happen. Like, you know, like... Hey, listen, country that's attacking us. You see what happens if you mess with us. We don't even need to leave the country to come and get you. I like, disagree. I don't think it scares people off at all. Oh, I think it does. I mean, I it's, it's scared I America think it fuels... when the when the in the Cold War, it's, everybody got scared because there was didn't scare us te- off. There was a new technology evolving that will finish you without much effort. You know. How did that scare anybody off? It just made everybody more warmongery. No, it made them real. It made everybody like. It made them all think. And if not- that was the case, we'd have peace now in the whole world. Well, <laughs> there'll never be peace in the whole exactly. world. Exactly. But I'm saying these kind of far off weapons that this movie deals in, it scares people because. But I disagree with you. Okay, so if we huh. had a nuclear weapon first and we threatened Russia at the time, old school, USSR, you know, old school, Cold War. It didn't make Russia go, oh, you're right, we're scared of you, we're no longer going to hate you. It made or, them, it I, made I, them I don't retaliate. Mean it made them go, we need one now. Because we can't yeah, be a sitting door. Yeah, it didn't scare them off at all. It, made, it makes it tit for tat, and it always will. Nobody ever goes, oh, 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 right, culturally we hate you, but we've decided now you have a bigger stick, so we're just going to I mean, a lot of countries will be absolutely frightened to death of the USA. Because they're such a big, scary force like military wise you know this this with things like these drones and the actual technology that goes into an army nowadays and the way they can just get an army into a place quickly i don't know if that makes the country scared of america but oh i think a lot of countries would be scared of a force like america because they've got no chance against it like it's it's but if that was the case we would just rule the world and we don't we don't don't want to don't want to rule the world like it own other countries. Just want to have... America doesn't want to be attacked and wants peace for everybody, right? I mean, that's what most people <laughs> would want. It's a nice way of looking at it. I'm not sure They don't want reality. to go... They don't want... Oh, oh, Afghanistan, you're so horrible. We want you. You're going to be the United States of Afghanistan. They don't want that. United States of Afghanistan. Yeah, you know what I mean? They don't want to take over America. They want to... They're a force, though, and they're scary, aren't they? I mean, it's... It, if you see in this movie, it's a real thing. They can press a button and blow somebody up in another country. Yeah, and the people who initiated and made a plan and 
instigated that plan to their idea of success for 9-11 also have the ability to scare the shit out of everybody else. Yeah. So we're not any more scarier than that. It's not any more scary on any human level. Everybody's scary to me. Well, Maybe being an American, I don't see us as scary because I think anybody could kick your teeth out with a different kind of America's weapon. America's military presence. It's terrifying. It, f- this movie just establishes how terrifying I it is. I disagree with you. You wouldn't be terrified of what they've got. I'm not saying I wouldn't be terrified. I'm as saying a that doesn't terrify that group of people enough to be now complacent. It makes people less terrified and more angry. The individuals on the peripheral, yeah, I mean, citizens and people who live there, of course. But not the people who want to destroy it. If someone wants to destroy the idea of America and bring down all of our infrastructure, us bombing one of their houses and killing some of their people in their organization will not scare them at all. It will make them more angry. So I disagree with you. Right. So, um... It scares other people, but not the ma- not the people who actually are engaged in the warfare. So this movie as a whole, I think it does well uh, to It brings all that up and makes you think about it, which Uh, is really good. I think it did a good job of portraying what a drone pilot is. I had no idea what a drone pilot was. I I knew that there was somebody who... I always thought it was like a general, somebody super high up and literally pressing a few buttons to do a thing. I didn't realize... he's a major, so that's pretty high up. He is pretty high up, but not all of them are. He is. Right, but he's taking orders from the general guy. So they are right up there. But um, it's I, I had no idea that they sat in their booths. I had no idea how it was. Actually, they use jet controls to, like, it's like being in a jet. Like, they, um, you've got the mm-hmm. throttle and the... It's a cockpit, basically, just not thing. in the plane. Yeah, I didn't know any of that. Um, I was thinking, is this real? Watching it, I was thinking, is this realistic? Because the military wouldn't want <laughs> you to know how this is done, would they? I mean, it's like it's some of it is a secret thing, like. But but when you really think about it, it can't be that complicated. You can't overthink it. It is literally a computer controlling a remote device. There aren't many configurations of that you can have that would breach any security because it is what it is. You're going to have to have a keyboard and a controller. And a way to look at it, which is your monitor. You're going to have to have sensors and servers, right? And and they said, well, and satellite relays yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And they said in this movie, they actually got a military advisor who worked with drones to... Well, they built the sets and they built a real drone. Not a real drone, a, a drone. Right, like a drone. mock-up of two ones mixed together. But they're very accurate and they're to scale. And the, the booth that they sit in is very, very accurate. He said down to the LEDs on the things are in the right place. So I was watching it thinking, wow, it's like... Um, it is like a video game. It, like war games back in the day, like the old mm-hmm. war games movie. It's like that, but just super high tech. Like It's like you press a button. It is feels like a sci-fi concept to me. Even though we're living it, aren't we? I don't know how long the drones have been this sophisticated in the last few last few years, but um. And I think again that brings up another topic. You think it's like super high tech now, but again, let's go back to when someone invented explosives, and there were no explosives the week before when there was a different battle, and then all of a sudden you're walking down a road and it some this <laughs> there's now dynamite that just blew you and twenty people up. You probably did, but I'm just saying, technology is everything from picking up a stick instead of a rock, picking up a gun instead of a sphere, a spear. It's all the same, just on a bigger scale. And it also made me think about, um, you know, these drone pilots sit there, and yes, they kill people. But there's also a scene in this movie where they do some other work that's kind yeah. of mundane, and and what it is is uh, you see some. You see a patrol of soldiers. <laughs> I love how you use the word mundane. Well, this is like there's a there's a a group of soldiers on a hill, and they they're tired. They've been soldiering all day. Where were they? I don't know. Yemen. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I think she said Yemen. Wherever they were, they were in was. a they're in a foreign locale, and they needed to sleep. So they radioed the drone operator and said, "Can you keep an eye on us while we need you know for six hours while we sleep?" And basically the drone guy is looking at a video feed from the drone of these six guys lying on the floor and making sure nothing creeps up. I don't find that mundane at all. I think that's vital. That's like life protecting. It is protecting. not vital, but, like, but as you saw, they were kind of, yeah, but what he if, was kind of but sleepy But what if someone came along? Yeah, and nobody did come along in this yeah. case. But 
So, he, you know, and they must do that day to day, day to day. What he what? I would find that more stimulating because I'm really directly related to operational protection and... But it was kind of you know, the way they portrayed it here. Even Ethan Hawke's kind of vibe of it was just like this: is, we do this. This is this is the meat and potatoes of this job, right? Watching people's watching people, making sure they're okay. The actual killing people and dropping things is that's the small. Uh, that's probably two yeah. percent of what we do. This is what we really do, because like we're settling for the night. He's got his Red Bull. He's watching this video monitor, which. Imagine how much attention you would have to pay to That's it. what I'm saying. I don't find that mundane at all. But but uh, I never thought of that. And that is an excellent um, use for a drone. You know, these guys need to go to sleep. We're humans. We have to go to sleep. You can't just fight forever. They lie down and you just make sure nothing comes. And they can see everything. It's I guess a- I think I've thought about this way more than I really realized. Because I've thought of all those things. Not in that never exact context. It, no. but I've never even really thought about drone warfare, to be honest. Really, I've not. Um, I've played a bit in Call of Duty. There was some of it. Probably. Six FYI to everyone who's listening, he's his references in life are video games or movies. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm it. saying Call, Call of Duty is very. Uh, it's military. Like they have military advisors. It's all try and be realistic with the you know the campaign. And there was maybe four or five years ago when drone warfare was a very very hot topic in in the news call of duty covered that and there was a whole mission where you're this guy you're ethan hawk and uh not ethan hawk in the game but you're this guy sat in a well you don't see the guy sat in the thing you're him but you see in that video feed and the the guy in your ear is saying okay that building there that building there and you see some children running away and it's pretty yeah. harrowing like which is you know how this movie portrays it I also thought this movie was good at creating tension, um, considering what, you know, you're not right in the action, first off. I thought that was what makes this really eerie, being a drone pilot. You know, when you watch a war movie, like Saving Private Ryan, and you're on the battlefield, and all the explosions are going off, and it's intense. This guy's looking at the screen. He presses a button. A thing blows up. And there's actually no noise because they don't have an audio feed. So he doesn't hear an explosion. He doesn't... You don't hear an explosion when you're watching this movie. It's just... You see smoke. That's it. That was a thing that got me. How... That's really eerie that you don't hear it. Because imagine, like, how loud it is Mm -hmm. when, when that hits a building. You hear nothing. So that's another layer of removal from the... For me, like... It's just nothing. Like, it's just... Like, it, that's what it looks like. Because you're seeing it on a small screen also. They're not watching it on some big giant cinema screen. It's just looking at this little screen. It is really a weird thing, I think. A very weird form of warfare. You, you're you looking at me as though, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> I, I just don't see it though you do. I just don't. I understand what you're saying. Do you understand, though, like, not hearing it? Like, it, it, there's like it's less of it. There's less of it. I understand like, that as a human, it would be easier if you don't, if you don't, again, the the general guy or whatever he is said, you have to compartmentalize. So if you're extremely good at compartmentalizing, and you look at the screen and you drop the bomb because the order was given, and you're convinced that what they told you is true, that there is a bad guy in there who's plotting to blow up something else in America or kill Americans, therefore, that little compartment is now filled. You have kept... You killed that guy, and you're done. And then all the stuff, everything else, doesn't register. The dead children, the dead women, the blowing it up, the not having any sound, the being far away, going home for a barbecue afterwards. None of that registers. And I'm not saying it doesn't with real, with people. Like, they're gonna... But I just don't... It's it's a different type of moving further and further away. I just don't see it that much different than all those other examples I've given. It's just another form of being farther away. I was thinking like the PTSD side of things, which... Uh, I think you could get that just as easily. That, that's my point, what yeah. I'm about to say. Um, the, in the, when you're in the field, you know, go to Afghanistan, you fight for six months, you come home, and everything's so different to where you were. And it, you were intense, and it was your camaraderie and all that, and then 
what you wake up and you, you know you're, you're making your breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Oh. And the kids want to know why they can't go. To and the that zoo difference and... makes people, you know, it really affects people because they can't deal with it. They go outside and they hear a bang, and you know. Yeah. But in this movie, uh, another thing that I thought was well done was he presses a button, kills a bunch of people. Presses a button, kills a bunch of people. You see him go out, you get in his car, he's listening to his music, he gets home, and he's barbecuing. Like, within 20 minutes of killing people. There's no way as a human being that can't affect Follow you around. Yeah, and when his wife's trying to speak to him, he's, like, not there, really. So all the stuff about, well, he's separate, and he doesn't hear it, and he's so far away, and you say it's cowardly, and you're just pushing a button. No, not this. But it really implies. I mean, it's all the same. No, I'm not saying he's cowardly. I'm saying, like, the whole notion of, like, um, you know, let's fight from afar. Let's all fight from afar. Right, but then what you're saying is it actually has the same effect on people. Yeah, I'm saying that it's worse, because he goes home 20 minutes later... Uh, back to normal. He's in the back. So he's the in the transition, garden. like if you've been at war for six months or eighteen months on a tour of duty, and it's been hell. Yeah. And then you come home, and you're home for eighteen months. And or then two there's years, a transitioning period. You have to a get long back. period of time to acclimate. Every day, you're going back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, back it's and that forth. you've got that jarring thing every time, and it, they did it That's well true. too. And in this movie, the the door says, uh, "What does it say on the door?" You're about to leave the U.S. of A. Y- yeah. So when you walk into that thing, you're in a, a you're no supposed to get your yeah. well, you're wherever i mean it, it's it's on a runway somewhere but you're not you know yeah so every time he walks out of there and he's back in the usa he's back in the usa every day like every now time. here's the flip side of that there are going to be people and she even addresses it and says well, at least you don't get a hard on when yeah. you do this that there are going to be people individuals whether we like it or not yeah who are soldiers of all kinds of different jobs and duties in this in this life but there are soldiers who get off on that who would be like, yeah, rah, 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 kind yeah. Of thing, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't mean the superficial, I mean truly down to their core. There's going to be something about them. I have a feeling that American sniper guy had that. He was, more supposed, than to he be was an, betrayed. supposed to be quite asshole ish, that guy, right? Like in more, real, reality, yeah. yeah. Like he was a, you know, dude, like a, uh, you know. So then that also plays on the bigger picture that when you are protecting the whole of your nation, and you're doing things that are perceived, obviously, as being, you know, a human atrocity. You're taking the lives of groups of people for your own beliefs and your own thoughts about the world. And does it matter that you are torn up about it and that it crushes your soul or that you get off on it? Like, does it matter about that person, ultimately? I think it does. Because that then leaks yeah. out into other things. But that's another... It's a good... It's a really well I was gonna say, told so story. Overall, before we go on to the cast, is I think this is an excellent <laughs> war movie, unlike any war movie you have ever seen. I mean... I agree. I, you, I, we watched American Sniper this year, but that's more traditional. We've seen a sniper story. Mm-hmm. and, and that But also even, very well told that, yeah, from that well told, perspective. But, but this is very different. It's a war movie. But it really makes you think the entire time. And when you come out the other end of it, and that's what the director say, wants you to feel something about this this topic or think about it at least. And it really makes you think about it. And and there's a lot to think about. There's a lot of... Now, there's going to be somebody who says, I'd take that job. Yeah, and I'd have no hesitation of pressing yeah, the button. No hesitation whatsoever. I'd blow up all of them. No yeah. problem. And truly mean it. And like the kids genuinely. and everything. I'd yeah. kill all of them. I'd rather get rid of them all and get rid of the them all, as in anyone with the idea that I don't want spreading around that you hate us, whatever it is. So, I, um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it, and I thought the ending was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it just was like, yeah. it was just it it built up to a thing. Like it's it's not a fast moving movie, but or anything like that. It's not if you're an action kind of fan, it's not that kind of movie. It's more of a thinker kind of movie, right? Which is better, I think. Yeah. Um. And this yeah. from the man who loves furious, fast and furious movies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like an action. Like I like Mad Max last week. It's an action movie, yeah, but this is not Mad Max. It's 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 a thinking type of movie with some action sequences that are removed from. You know, you're not in the depth of the action like like any other war movie you've watched. You're always on the battlefield. In this, you're not, but you are because that room is a battlefield of of a sort. Yeah. So well, moving on, this is the battlefield, isn't it? Yeah. In the mind. So moving on to the cast, uh, Ethan Hawke plays our main guy. He's uh, Major Thomas Egan. Um, totally won me over. Um, you know, I've said in the past, Ethan Hawke is often... We watched him last in Boyhood, and he was excellent was in fine. that too. Yeah. But in the past, he's been... He was in that... Kind sleep. of like affected, you know, Hollywoody kind of, but 
He had a bad period when Amazing. he did The Purge and he did uh, The Getaway. It wasn't bad in either of them. It was just really neutral and mm. affected as in he's b- performing in a way that's expected of a guy, whatever. So this time I was totally won over. You know 100%. the scene where he punches the mirror? Yeah, yeah. That was really intense. It I, was. I, thought, I was like, wow, he, like he pulled something out there. Like that was... He was able to accomplish an intensity and made me afraid, not of him, but for him. But all quiet, except for that, and that one scene, all in this way of, like, you felt this destructive force happening inside his mind. But he never was very, a couple, you know, he throws the bottle the one time he punches the mirror. But, I mean, the rest of the time, he holds it all And when somebody says to his wife at one point, uh, what's he like, does he often get mad, and what's he like when he gets (laughs) mad? And she goes, well, he gets quieter. Yeah. So, you know, you know he's like this internal... He's, he's like a time bomb, like, yeah. but he's stuffing it all... Because how do you deal with it? Like, it's... Well, other people deal with the it. The part where he's, like, where he's leaning on his lawnmower and just looking up in the air. It's like, that's how he deals with it. He, and she's like, oh, let's, let's go somewhere. And he's... Because what you're saying, that other countries can't afford that technology. But we all know that there are a lot of things we don't know about the way governments and other people... Uh, work in this world. We don't know that another country won't buy drones for this other country. You know, politics are or a thing a that you can't... Well, that you can't even imagine. So he has to at least once look up and think, have they figured out who we are and what we do? And and he's, it could be like, he could be counting down in his head like 10, 9, and just think any second. Because I, there's another thing about directing. They did a lot of, like how we're looking at the targets... Through the drones, cameras. That's how he shows us Las Vegas. His house and, and the stuff, house yeah. and the neighborhood so that it all looks the same after a while. Like it, it's the desert and it really all looks like a compound and you realize any place is a target really when you look at it like that. Now, uh, January Jones plays his wife, uh, Molly Egan. Um, I thought she was good, mm-hmm. but I have, if I have any problem with this movie, it's like the writing of the army wife kind of thing. You know, it's like she's this Vegas girl who used to be a dancer. That makes sense. Totally yeah, but makes it's sense. Very, it's very, um, like, I, I've seen it before. I liked it because I thought it made 100% sense. He's an intense guy. And he was young. Obviously, they've been married And he took her years. in a fighter plane. Right. To turn to, to, try know, and, to win her over yeah. on that first date or whatever. I thought it made total sense. And her whole thing made total sense. That she loves him. To a point, because their relationship's based on... I didn't ever caught that that was stepchildren, though. No. But it was. Yeah, I know. They never I even mentioned it. No, it's... It, there but was, there wasn't a lot of affection, so I guess we could have figured there, that out. There was, like... Um, but no real affection with the kids at he all. Was, no, because he was broken, wasn't he? He's, he was totally uh, away from everything, all the time. Like, I, I could... You know, he kept... He drinks But he a never lot. had a moment that made you think... Now, when you look back and realize, I didn't even see him as affectionate with the kids. He was just hmm. very like, "Hey, hi, kids," and then. And now you know. Now we know why, but they never said it. No, I mean, maybe I missed it, but I never. I didn't see it. Either. Yeah, but uh, no, January Jones was good. Don't she's get me very wrong. good. I just didn't hundred percent. Her subtleties are like when she's hugging him one time, and then he's hugging her for a minute, for a few seconds, and her face changes. Like, it was all I'm gonna get. And it's so clear, and she knows she knows this woman very well, I think. So I think she did a good job. Yeah, uh, Zoe Kravitz, uh, which we we saw last week in Mad Max, actually. She's much better in this one than she was in that yeah, one. Yeah, I was I was impressed, actually, because when we saw her in the extras for Mad Max, it was one of the things where I was like, she's just taking this really seriously, like, and it's Mad <laughs> Too Max. Too seriously right? for me in Mad Max. But in this one, she came across really professional. Like, she, it was a different character completely to what she played last week. Uh, she even brought different body language to this one and everything. Like, so I was like, "Wow, she actually is a pretty good actress." Like, um, mm-hmm. and she's a younger. Well, she's a pilot too, um, drone pilot. But she's um, not Zoe Kravitz. <laughs> no, but she's got. Uh, she plays um, Vera. Vera she's an Air Sarah. Force pilot. Yeah. she's just not as old. As but them. she's the person in the movie who her conscience is right out there. Like, yep, she like, says she it right. Says down, it. Yeah. And she questions things, and she doesn't just press the button when she's told to. It's not that she's not that person. Well, she does every time. But the person behind her is the guy who would press the button all the time. I mean, she, she thinks about it as one. She never she, refuses anything, so she always does what she's told. But she, she questions and she answers, and even when the CIA are on the phone, but ultimately she'll say stuff, she does what she's told. Which I guess she's you've got not no a rebel, choice right? if you're in that. Um, 
Obviously you do. If you watch the movie. <laughs> uh, Bruce Greenwood plays Lieutenant Colonel Jack Johns, and he's the boss, obviously, of this little group of uh, drone pilots. And um, He's the boss of the whole project. Yeah, and, you know, you all know that guy. Like, I I never know his name, but I've seen him. I feel like I've seen Anonymous him Anonymous so Famous. Times. Yeah, seen him in a lot of things. Uh, and I think he played it well. And oh, I, very well. And at first, when he kept swearing all the time, I was like, oh, this is this dialogue's a bit... And then I started to understand... You, you understand why he swears. Yeah. like Because at, at first it seemed a bit over the top. I was like, wow, how many I F-words think it's just the way he was. When he says to it's him, the way you never was. swear. And he says, yeah, I need to. Yeah, later I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, okay. Like, at first I, I thought, wonder if you paid closer attention if the Greenwood guy maybe swore less after that. Because he said, I never see a reason to. If I saw a reason to, I would. Yeah. And I didn't notice if the guy kept it up or if he didn't. I don't think That'd he did swear any, as much. Because we see his little speech in the beginning, and then we see it again in the end. I wonder if he uses the F word as much. Yeah, That'd because be Ethan Hawke says, he, he <laughs> yeah. says to Ethan Hawke, you don't swear. And Ethan Hawke says, I only swear if it, he says, I just it don't does see a something. Need. If it changes. If it I like, need to, yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think he probably does swear less, because at the beginning, it's really amped up yeah. that he swears a lot. Um, but Bruce Greenwood played it really well too. You know, it's a serious topic, and these scenes are very, quite serious. Like, this, it's not a light-hearted thing at all. Like, really, this movie. In fact, at all, they go to Vegas once for a drink. Yeah. And it's pretty serious. The drink. <laughs> it's not. It's not like a. Ooh, let's have a party now. It's on Top Gun with the frivolity. I actually said right at the very beginning of this film, like uh, uh, to you, this is the opposite of Top Gun. <laughs> It's, it's, it, you know, it's got jets and it's got, but it's the opposite. It's not, we're all heroic and we're having, you know, and when we're in our off time, we have fun and it's all romantic and it's not that. This is. Not at all. Very clear light of day, damaged people, you know, different. So uh, it's directed by Andrew Nichol. You'll all know Andrew Nichol. He um, directed Gattaca, another movie which. Um, Ethan, Ooh, I don't know him. You don't know him? No. He directed uh, Simone, which was a terrible movie. It's terrible. And he directed um, In Time with Justin Timberlake, which I actually quite liked. It's an interesting concept, the one where they have the time on their arm and when it's up. Currency. Time is a currency. I forget why. Uh, I forget why, but it was interesting. Was it? It Was that interesting you forgot? It was. uh, (laughs) Andrew Nichols has been around for a long time. Um, Gattaca's a fantastic movie. It's really, really, really... That's one that will make you think and talk about it afterwards. Are you sure? As long as it's been since you watched it. I watched it when it came out. I know. How long ago was that? Are you saying that it, um, I thought it was fantastic at the time, but it probably isn't? I'm not saying that. I'm asking because we have discussed this week that sometimes when you revisit an old movie that you used to think uh, it's it was not amazing. Old. Gattaca? It's like, what, 15 years? Uh, I don't think so. I don't call that old, 15 years. It's not a classic or anything. Hmm. I don't remember it very well. I know I've seen it. But... It's, it's good. It's about gene splicing and, you know, gene... Um, and it's uh, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. And, you know, it's... Oh, 1997, my dear. Which is how many years? <laughs> Almost 20. Right. Yeah. It's an excellent film. Um, but Andrew Nichols, uh, you know... He, like... Simone was another movie similar to this. Simone didn't work, I didn't think, because mm-hmm. it was... But it was picking on a hot topic thing, like, you know, like... What Replacing if we, an actor what with if a we could do that? simulation. Which we can now. <laughs> like, we've... Next week's movie, Furious 7. That. On a tiny scale. Yeah, but I mean, we're, yeah. what Simone was implying, we're we're trying, like, we're getting around to it, so. And we are putting faces on stunt people that are the famous person's face, yeah. but not the stunt person's face, so. so. Simone just was poorly written. Oh my god. But this isn't, I like this Do you remember movie. when Al Pacino first goes in and he knows nothing about anything and all of a sudden he knows how to operate this very yeah. sophisticated technology? It's just a very high concepty thing. Like In Time was a very high concepty thing too. It's not the greatest movie, but it has something to think about. It's very I highly think, stylized and gives you a little... I think I, all his movies have, he likes you to think about something and maybe talk about it later, like a like a, an issue, like like in Gattaca, the, the gene, you know, splicing people's genes. Like it's a... It feels like a sci-fi thing, but it's not. And if it was allowed to be done, it would be done. And uh, in time, high concept thing about time being a currency and not money. And time ending your life. Like, you know when you're going to die, all that kind of thing. And this movie, obviously, more realistic, but still something to think about. Um, so I like his movies. And I like how this was really low-key. Like, it's directed in, like, a... I know it's... Fit. 
I was thinking of leaving Las Vegas because this is set in Vegas too. But leaving Las Vegas is real low key as well. Like it, it's just mm-hmm. very like you know, you're in Vegas. Here's following some people. It's not like hyped up. It's not like here's Vegas that you all know and love. Here's the sh- you do see the strip and stuff, but even that feels. You know, well, it's a tool because at one point we have a character say, "We're all full of shit because we can come here. We think we can come here to like the end of civilization." Is what he calls it, like yeah, and think that we're at Paris and we're at and it's all bullshit. So that's that's the only reason I think Vegas was the place, and also because of the desert. So that when you're looking at everything, it all looks like the targets that we're looking at. So, but everything felt you know, low-key to me. Like, it's not like I'm trying to be flashy or any of that. Maybe with his car and the scenes of him driving the car, which are reminiscent of Top Gun to me, but, like, not as romantic. They don't play all that music over the top of it and everything. But, um, yeah, it's a very interesting film. And uh, there's only one extra on the Blu-ray, and it's uh, the making of, kind of, uh, behind the scenes, which is not really behind the scenes. It's because you, you really see a few interviews and stuff. See very, it's very basic stuff. The cast, um, and in the beginning, it says based on true event, events or mm-hmm. real events. Well, I don't know which of those are real, except that drones exist. No, I don't either. And that things are blown up by drones. Other than that, I think everything else is fictional. So yeah. don't go into it thinking that this guy is based on a guy. Not American that I'm, that Sniper. They, that they tried to portray anyway, that no one ever mentioned no, it so. or said we read an article or anything like that. It's just all fiction except that the truth technology is, and the real yeah. the military that exists part of it. Yeah. Um, so in conclusion, yeah, an interesting movie. But I I call this an interesting movie. It's not Mad Max from last week. It's not entertaining. No, I mean it's, it's compelling. It makes you think, and I I was on the edge of my seat at times for stuff where I was like. You know, as soon as it zooms in on that screen, and I'm like, and this, and they're saying, "Hey, uh, we need that building," and I was like, "Whoa, this is intense! Like, it's really intense." Yet we're not, you know, we're not on the battlefield like like Saving Private Ryan, where well, that I've, is obviously. I have news for you. Even when you're watching Saving Private Ryan, you are not on a battlefield. You're not. But you, you are feel, watching really feel motion like picture of people who are also not on a battlefield. In fact, that is the first time I ever like. Uh, apart from Apocalypse Now, Saving Private Ryan, that camera work and that sound, surround sound that goes on in that opening scene is it's really like you're just right smack in the middle of it. It's crazy. I don't know, because I've never been in a war field. A battlefield. Well. I have to take Hollywood's word for it. It's pretty... I saw it in the theatres and it's just super intense. Like, it, you know, and so gory. And, like, it's just no holds barred on that. It's just, yeah. So, um... Thanks to Paramount. You liked it too. I did. So if you want to enter a contest, go to ascully.com. Next week's uh, Blu-ray review will be uh, Furious 7. I'm excited for Furious 7. So excited. I love the Fast and the Furious series. Can I skip that one, please? No, you can't. Ugh. I just uh, don't care. I really don't care. I will watch it to go along for the ride. You actually like Furious 6. If you go back and like listen three. to the podcast. You like 6 too. It was fine. You you really liked it. You, you liked how action-packed it was. I didn't like the story. I think it's all stupid. Um, <laughs> I was. I went back like, I and listened care. to six this week. The, what you, we both liked it. I really liked it, and you liked it too. You were, like, you were surprised that you liked it. You liked yes. the Rock a lot. You liked because they introduced the Rock. Yeah, don't mind the Rock. And you really felt for the two, um, the plane incident. Yeah, they got rid of some of the characters in it. Yeah, you really felt for those two. You were like rooting for them. Um, but yeah, uh, the I rock, still don't care about the rock one. is back and uh, <laughs> Jason Statham is, uh, joining the team this time. So, um, let's have a look. Movie recommendations. I am going for number one, Armada, which is a book, not a movie. It probably will be a movie because they already optioned the rights for it. But what it's about, and I've told you the other week, it's Ernest Klein's new book, Ready Player One. And it's about this exact thing. But just in the sci-fi. It's about they recruit kids who are good at video games to do drone warfare for an invasion of the Earth by aliens. They sit in little cubicles and they fly play, they fly um, spaceships, but there is no threat to them. It's, the, it's this story, but in the sci-fi movie. So that's Armada. And number two is uh, Iron Eagle, which is another movie. Have you seen Iron Eagle? Oh, it was a long time ago. With Louis Gossett Jr. Long time ago. If I did watch it all, I might have got bored. Well, the uh, premise of Iron Eagle 
is also, and this is way before its time, a kid is really good at video games, playing these flight simulator games, and his uncle goes missing, and with the help of Louis Gossett Jr. and his video game knowledge of flying planes, he learns to fly a plane and goes and rescues his uncle from behind enemy lines. It's another, you know, hey, you're, you're good at video games, so you've got the hand-to-eye coordination to do X, Y, and Z, which is, you know, what they mention also in this film. So your uh, recommendations are? My recommendations are two movies with the Greenwood guy, because you don't realize all the movies he's in, you just know that you've seen him a lot. And one of them is Flight, which is actually an incredibly, me, high-quality movie. I mean, I don't even care. All I know is it was high-quality, thought-provoking, well-performed, interesting also, a different kind of take. But Greenwood guy is in it. It's Dental Washington. He's... We reviewed it, so you can find it if you go on Passenger pilot with some crazy shit going on. I mean, it's really good. I believe it was Robert Zemeckis. I don't know, but it was really good. And the other one is iRobot. And I don't remember what the Greenwood guy was in it, but he's in it. It's on his list. And I really liked iRobot. Can't help it. I think it was an interesting concept as well. Like, we've watched humans lately, and same idea that some people embrace the idea of AI and robots everywhere, and some people don't, and the dangers of it. Based on an Isaac Asimov uh, story from a long time ago. And here's my learning lesson for the day. Last week we learned about what uh, Balls to the Wall meant, right? If you recall, Balls to the Wall, look it up or listen to that one. And this time you just said no holds barred. And I was like, I always think, wow. It's a wrestling term, right? Yeah, you're looking at my screen. I I can't see that. How'd you know that? I just, uh, I've heard it from wrestling before. It says here that the first time it was used in 1892... And because wrestling, like, before that had was freeform, there were no rules. And then they developed rules. After the rules were developed and they would have matches that would go back to the freeform, those were, like, the big matches. And they would say, there are no holds barred. We so you need, can do anything. You can do whatever you yeah. want. So, yeah, I never knew that. But 1892. There was a movie, too, wasn't it, called No Holds Barred? Uh-huh. A wrestling movie. I believe there was. Well, now we know. So, uh, moving on to games and A-Scully stuff. I have only played this week. Um, okay, so on Tuesday, coming up this week, Metal Gear Solid Five, uh, The Phantom Pain comes out, which is a huge video game for this year. Probably one of the biggest releases of this entire year. Um, there's been a while since a new, since a Metal Gear Solid game came out. So, what, there was a prequel to Metal Gear Solid Five called Ground Zeroes that was uh, given away free on PlayStation Plus about six months ago that I never got around to playing. So this week, because it's the prequel, I decided to play that so I know when I go into Phantom Pain exactly what's going on. Now, Ground Zeroes is... uh, It was very controversial when it came out because it was a game that cost $39.99 and it's a prequel to Phantom Pain. But it's only a two-hour game. And it was very controversial at the time that, oh, are we paying for a demo here? Now, playing it, it's not strictly true that it's a two-hour game. I think it's more like an eight-hour game. Because once you've finished the two-hour mission, which is the beginning of it, it puts you back to the menu screen, and then there's like five new missions you can choose. They're all in the same map, but they are different things. One of them's rescuing some prisoners. It's different stuff to the main story. So, yes, there is replayability value. In fact, after my three hours playing it this week, at the bottom corner it says you've finished 12%. So, when people were saying it was a two-hour game, that was kind of... It's just because they're breezing through it. They were just doing the first mission and thinking that was it. Oh, that's the main meat of it, and that's all you do. So, no, that isn't the case. But it is the prequel to The Phantom Pain. And when The Phantom Pain comes out on Tuesday, that actually takes place moments after Ground Zero's finishes. And it picks up the story. So if you want the whole story, you need to play Ground Zeroes. It's really, really cheap at the moment. I've seen it for four ninety nine on Gamefly if you want to buy it from there. And it's also free if you're a PlayStation Plus member. So play it before The Phantom Pain. And The Phantom Pain comes out on Tuesday. And, you know, it, I can't wait for that game. It looks like some insane open world, you know. It's the fi- finale of Metal Gear Solid, which is also... Kind of sad, but exciting at the same time. Um, there's another game coming out on Tuesday, and it's called Mad Max, and it's based on the movie that we watched last week. 
It's not Mad Max Fury Road, but it's based in that same world. Um, and what they're saying, it's like it's by Warner Brothers Games, but it's more like it's like the Batman games. It's got Batman's combat, but it's also got car combat in there. But it's a big open world, and you're going around the na- the wastelands trying to survive as Max, and all the baddies are in there. As Max or as Furiosa? You're Max in this one. But you don't look like Tom Hardy. You look like some different guy. <laughs> so I don't know. They mustn't. It's weird because it's by Warner Brothers and you think they would have the rights to the movie, but they don't have a likeness of Tom Hardy for Max. But maybe but the rest of the say... movie is in there. No. Hmm. It's not based on the movie, like I just said. It's, um, it's based on the license of the movie. So it's the world of Mad Max, but it's not. You're not following that story. It's an open world game like GTA. There's missions. You go and get fuel from here. You do that. You go and take out a big boss guy in a big lair. You know, there's all that kind of thing. It looks really cool. That's out on Tuesday. Uh, you can see there's previews of it on YouTube if you go and have a look. So uh, that's that's it for this week. Uh, Sidto, what's for dinner? There's either... It was going to be uh, Morningstar Grillers. Those are veg, veggie burgers. Uh, to those who don't know, we're vegetarian. So that's going to exist with the, on a bun. What goes with it, I haven't decided yet. It's either going to be some potatoes and vegetables with some mushrooms in a pan altogether. Sounds good. Or soup. Because I love my Thai soup. So I'm trying to decide. How much effort do I really want to put in? A burger is like two minutes in the microwave. Soup is two minutes on the stove and I'm done. The other takes a little more thought. and Not effort. that much. You do it. All right. <laughs> you won't do it. You'll do all this shit for like an hour, and then you'll be like, "Is supper and then ready?" I'll do it. No, then you'll be like, "Is supper ready?" No, I'll then do it. I'll, be... I'll do it after that. You won't do it to my standard, so no, it's either me, it's me, and it'll be one of those two things. <laughs> all right. So, you're... are you saying you prefer the potatoes? Yes. We'll see. Your advice is. My advice is. It's more of a more of a. I'm bossing you around. How also, I... also, you just said doing this shit. I will be preparing the podcast for upload. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, and you'll be watching YouTube video of some dorky person who like collects movies, and then you'll be looking at something else and some other video of somebody else who's doing a video. That's game. while I'm doing. So it. it's all combined. Yeah, I call it all the shit. Same shit. Same shit as I do. Just different kind of shit. Um, how can I make this into advice? My advice is to rethink the way you expect people to respect you. Stop. Thinking, this is a directive. <laughs> this is me being, I can't make it not bossy. Stop thinking that your belief or your lack of belief or your political views or the way that you think about anything deserves any kind of respect. Because I could sit here and think good thoughts all day long and then walk across the street and stab a child in the throat. My thoughts and my beliefs Ooh. ultimately mean nothing if they aren't coupled with my behavior and my actions in this world, right? If my actions show me to be an asshole, destructive, hateful, selfish, like horrible human being, then it doesn't matter what beliefs I have. So you're say, you would say to me, well, he was a good Christian. It's a shame that he went off and blew up that abortion clinic and killed all those people. But he was a good Christian. Well, that's his thoughts, You can't respect him for being a Christian if he blows up a bunch of people. And I don't have to be delicate or tiptoe around your beliefs or what you think about anything. I just don't have to. Because if I think it's bullshit, I'm probably going to tell you. I'm not intentionally going to hurt your feelings. I'm not going to talk about things like death and the process of afterlives with people that I know are extremely sensitive to that topic. I'm not a heartless bitch most of the time. I get it. Some people don't cope well with those conversations, so I don't just say it out there, put it out there. But that doesn't mean that I have respect for the fact that you might think that, you know, okay, I have dead people from my life who I loved very, very, very much. I have a grandfather who was probably, no offense to you or anyone else, but probably the most important person, I would say, in the arc of my whole life, man-wise, as a man. He passed away. He had cancer. He died. I was there. We, We all... You know, went through the whole process of it together. And then, to me, that's it. I don't imagine him in heaven because I don't believe in a heaven. There's no ghost of him walking around. There's no him following me. There's no him looking down on me right now, proud of what I'm doing. There's no him up there inspiring me to do anything ever. His life ended on the day when his body stopped being alive. 
I'm not romantic about it or like I eat pie in the sky. I can cope with the fact it's sad and it's terrible that a person's no longer with you. But I don't believe in anything after that. Now, that means that if you do believe in that and we get in a discussion about it, I don't have to respect your beliefs. Now, if you're telling me about someone recently who's passed in your life and you're actually a complete wreck about it, I'm not going to I'm not going to sit there and argue with you about it. That's not my point. But if we're in a discussion about it, no, I don't have to respect your Christianity. I don't have to respect your atheism. I don't have to respect your being a Buddhist or a Muslim or a Democrat or a Republican. I don't have to respect that you think you're a good parent. I don't have to respect that you tell your children to be polite. I don't have to respect any of that. Because what matters to me, as they say, the proof is in the eating of the pudding, right? The proof is in the pudding. If you claim to me that your ideas about parenting are superior, and therefore I need to respect that, and your children act like a couple of assholes, then no, I don't have to respect what you think about yourself. I respect whether or not what you say is put into action. Your behavior, the actions that you put. So ultimately, what's going on in your head cannot make this world a better place for between the time that you were born and the time that you're dead. But the things that you say and the things that you do, the actions that you take to to make changes, even the tiniest thing in the whole, it doesn't matter. In your whole entire life, you could have done one nice thing one day and no one even knew it was you and it changed somebody else's day a tiny little fraction. That's enough. But I don't have to respect you if that's attached to some idea that I don't agree with. Okay. Your action tells me. So... I just think people get meddled up about this, respect my religion. No, I don't, because I don't believe in it. At all. So, I'll respect you if you want to sit down and have a civil conversation about it. I'll respect you as a human being, and I can respect what's in your head. Because many people have done many horrible things. And everyone then afterwards will say, well, he was such a nice guy. You know, like, like yeah. right, but what he did and how he was and tried to portray a very different thing, so... That's, that's kind of hard to pick out any advice there, but... All right, good sound advice. Uh, <laughs> let me remind you about our websites, uh, aschoolie.com, sitar.com. I advise you to go there. You can also catch us on Twitter and Facebook. Well, that seems kind of meaningless compared to my deep, deep thoughts. <laughs> you can catch this podcast on uh, stitcher.com, search for After the Show, go to the iTunes Music Store, or go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast. You can subscribe using the RSS feed there. You can email feedback to me at ascoli at ascoli.com. Email Sid Talk and stay classy, Mr. Ethan Hawk. Um, good performance, I think, this one. I agree. And I'm going to say, think for yourself. Someone will do it for you. <laughs> <laughs>